We're on a mission from God. And now, something completely different. This is Pastor Jolly John Lekomsky from St. Paul's Lutheran Church in New Athens, Illinois, the only, the only town that I know of in the metro St. Louis area that has a Santa Claus fishing. <laughs> so come on down and check that out. And we have a Santa house, too. A Santa house? You can come and see Santa right there in New Athens. The only annoying thing is they play Christmas music 24 hours a day, and it's like a block away from where I live. Oh, no. Uh, but anyway. My wife would love that. She's I, been listening to Christmas music since before Thanksgiving. She's one of those people. Yeah, then tell her she should come and stay at our house <laughs> for the month before Christmas, because 24 <laughs> hours a day you can open your door and they're playing. And anyway, who are you? <laughs> I am Pastor Matt Youngblood Clark. Youngblood, by the way, it's a sort of a nickname. That's no, not your real I name. Get, I get asked that. Just though. like Jolly isn't my real it, name. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, Jolly and Youngblood just just are radio names, our radio <laughs> name, personality <laughs> names. So Pastor Matt Youngblood Clark from Ascension Lutheran Church in beautiful South St. Louis. We have the Christmas tree lighting across the park. Francis Park, Mayor Francis Lay himself there. Did the statue? Fred Bird is there. Did the statue get up yet? The statue? Yeah, aren't they Not doing a yet. big statue? No, okay. I, I think they have raised the funds for it, though. The David R. Francis statue right. in Francis Park. I hear it's going to be closer to the Catholic Church than to the Lutheran Aww. Church. So I'm, I don't think I'm going to have a view of the statue from Aww. my office. But well, you ought to, before oh, they well. put it up, you should put in a protest or something. Have sign a petition. Have the have statue move closer to Ascension. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. anyway. But we, it's kind of a unique situation. We've got Francis Park, beautiful park in St. Louis. And each corner uh, has a church on it. So it kind of yeah. sort of anchors the park oh, that was intentional go. in the yeah. planning. So that's kind of cool. So we're one of four churches that anchor Francis Park. We have an Orthodox Church, Catholic Church, and a uh, United Church of Christ. Well, that's kind of neat. So all, all of the different Christian denominations represented. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, i always trying to bring some new information in that people not be aware of. Have you bought soap at a Walgreens or a CVS lately? Well, I, I think I have. Well, did you encounter the fact that the soap is now all locked up? <laughs> that you have I to did. Go? I, Isn't I, that to amazing? To get to my soap, just, just a, you know, I, it was shampoo or whatever I was buying. <laughs> it was locked up. Yes, I did notice that. What's you know why? Do you have insight? Well, my thought was maybe the kids are making drugs out of it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> <I don't> no. <know. laughs> That's why you can't get the the, the 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 cold medication anymore because they're making you know meth out of it or something. So I thought, is there some new drug? But no, apparently people just want to be clean and they want to be clean so they go steal stuff they steal soap stealing soap because I, I would think there's a really high resale value to this if they're trying to make some money off of it i mean i think there'd be other things to steal that would give you more bang for your theft but but the thing is the economics of it it's funny that you mentioned the economics is it it's really easy to sell because everybody wants soap 
You know, sure. I mean, you can go well, still. So. You can go still a DVD player, but I don't need a DVD. Do you need a DVD player? I don't. I don't need a DVD player. I mean, player. like you say, there'd be more money, but they're they're harder to get rid of. Whereas, actually, if I would come up to you and say, "Hey, I can make you a deal on a on a, a bottle of soap," <laughs> so, you say, "Well, sure, yeah, why not? Who wouldn't want cheap soap? Who wouldn't want cheap soap? Yeah, yeah, but it just strikes me: what kind of a world do we live in where we have to lock up the soap? I know. So, uh, how do you sneak out some soap too? <laughs> I mean, but apparently I that, that's I guess what you do. they're doing. Huh. So anyway, so yeah, so in New Athens is the soap locked up? I have, I, you know, I actually don't buy soap in New Athens. Well, where do you, <laughs> where do you buy your soap? Well, actually, I, I got a guy in an alley that sells it to me. <laughs> now that cheap. I think about That's it, a great now. deal. Now I'm beginning to wonder where he gets that. So, soap so from. you are the reason that the soap is locked <laughs> up. Locked up. Oh man, I'm really starting to feel bad. The back alley soap taking dealer taking responsibility for this. That's I had no you. idea. That I had no connection. I just thought I was getting a good deal on soap. Yeah, if people listen last week, that's where you get your cheese. That's where you get your soap. That's, that's right. <laughs> Everything in Athens is guys in back alleys. <laughs> so anyway, I just wanted to share that with our listeners because I thought, what what kind of a world do we live in now? Where I know where we have to lock. Now our that soap you mention up. it, yes. Last time I went, I had but to get the soap unlocked. It does make me feel a little bit better that it's people want to be clean. They're not trying to make drugs out of it, or you know, they're not stealing high end electronics. They just want to be clean. Can yeah, you fault them yeah. for that? So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Matt, we got to get serious here. It is the first weekend in Advent. And, of course, during Advent, we prepare for the birth of Jesus Christ. And so Matt says, hey, I've got a perfect subject. Let's talk about the birth of Luther. <laughs> <laughs> that sort of kind of ties well, in, I we guess. Got two kids. They're both getting born. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. That's right. And they're both related to Christianity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Perfect. One may, one may be more than the other, but you know what could go wrong. And yeah. it is, it is this. This is the preparatory year for the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. So, what better way to start off this year than talking about the birth of Martin Luther? Yes, and the birth of Martin Luther is especially special to my family and I because our ah. son Noah was born on the same date uh, as Martin Luther. Is so, that right? So, November 10th. Our son's a few years later, obviously, yeah. but November the tenth, which <laughs> of course, of course, that that birthday was entirely intentional by my wife and I, as good Lutherans, <laughs> to ensure that our son was born on Luther's birthday. <laughs> you know, you know, and along that lines, I was born on the day that Luther died. February Whoa! So yeah, the bookends. I think you have to do that. You have to somehow be related to some event in Luther's life to be a good Lutheran. To be a good Lutheran. Yeah. <laughs> and if we dig deep enough, we're probably all related to <laughs> some way. some event in yeah. Luther's yeah. life. Well, anyhow, uh, recently we observed at Ascension the birth of Martin Luther. It's the uh, the commemoration of his birth. Did you? And you had actually had a church service. We well, it, it was we did it on a Sunday, so oh, okay. we observed it. But I think November the tenth this year was on a Thursday, so that that weekend right after we observed it. Uh, but Did you have there, a birthday cake or you know that, that would have been a good idea in in retrospect. We should have had a birthday okay. party for Martin. That would have been yeah, good. Wouldn't that have been cool? Yeah. Uh, but but anyway, you know that, that's not something we do on a yearly basis. We don't every year uh, <laughs> around November tenth celebrate commemorate Luther's birthday. I guess you could if you wanted to, uh, but we did it this year because. Uh, it's a big year for Lewis Lutherans. It's the 500th anniversary, as you said. Uh, we're counting down to the 500th anniversary of uh, of the Reformation, uh, and, and so and it's still all about and it's still Jesus. about Jesus. Yeah. yeah, what a great thing! What a great slogan for that. Um, 
there's kind of these key events, though, that we want to sort of take advantage of uh, where we, we just have the opportunity to teach a little bit about the Reformation. Yeah. Because if people, you know, we know about the Reformation, we know some of the general stuff, 95 BC, stuff like that. But to take advantage of this time, just talk a little bit more about, well, who is Luther? Who was early Luther? Who was he as a kid? Uh, what, what, what kind of family is he coming from? That sort of stuff. Yeah, it's yeah. just kind of a good opportunity to teach. So this is our history episode. Yeah, We're it's a, a history, history episode, episode. In, in some respects. Uh, so yeah, no. Let, let's let's go back in time then to November the tenth, fourteen eighty three. And in the background, we hear the, the birth of Martin Luther. So anyway, uh, so so Luther's uh, birth. When, when we look at the um, the you know the world into which Luther was born there in uh, in Germany and and in 1483, uh, things were you know obviously a little different than they were yes, now, right? Yes. Uh, but especially, it's still all about Jesus. But it, other than that, everything yeah, is different. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, yes and no. Well, well, well look at this. You know, he, he comes into a world where, you know, in general, the Bible really isn't read. You know, partly because people either one are illiterate or two don't have the Bible in German. That's right. Even so you if you could read it, you read it yeah. yeah, you couldn't have read it. Well, first of all, you don't have any, and secondly, what Bibles they have were written in Latin, yeah, which yeah. only scholars could read. Yeah, and, and in, in some churches, they didn't even have the whole Bible. Isn't that they just crazy? parts of the yeah. Bible. So yeah. even if you were a priest, chances are you've never read the whole Bible. I mean, it's it, it was just Didn't very different. It. Didn't even yeah. have it. Um, you know, in a world where some of the priests don't even know the Ten Commandments. And Isn't that crazy to think? basics. Yeah, oh, yeah. my goodness. Uh, but more important than that, or perhaps worse than that, it's also a world where people just don't have a confidence in salvation or forgiveness. They don't have that Scary. certainty. They're yeah. frightened. God is a wrathful, vengeful, angry God. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So people are, yeah, people. People are, are scared of God. God is viewed as this judge, this uh, this, this, uh, this wrathful judge. We have this, uh, you know, this, there's this painting of Jesus' return on the last day, and out of one end of his mouth is coming this this sword. It's like this flaming sword of judgment, and out of the other end is coming this white lily. Oh. Um, so the, this picture of judgment. But also this picture, he comes to bring peace, too, as well, and salvation. Uh, but they, they didn't focus on the lily. They were just focusing well, on the sword. To, to, the, to the extent that you couldn't pray to Jesus, because he was this holy judge. That's why you had to pray to the saints, or maybe pray to Mary. Because, no, no, you could not, you're too sinful. You're too wicked to actually talk directly to Jesus Christ. Yeah. Wouldn't yeah. dare do that. Yeah, instead of you to the saints, or at least through the saints, to yeah, to, to get to God. that strange? So you had to have an intermediary to speak to the intermediary. intermediary. Yeah, I know. I mean, Scripture seems so clear that Jesus is this this intermediary or mediator between God and man, uh, the man Christ Jesus, and yet you know, not even coming to him in prayers. Uh, so it's this this context in which uh, Martin Luther was born. Uh, and, just and could I add? Yeah, that, that there was probably a reason to think of God that way. Because it was a horrible, horrible world to live in, where there was lots and lots of death, where it was not unusual for you to have several children and have several of them die. That's what happened to Luther. Luther himself. Yeah, had five kids and two of them passed away. So think about living in a world like that, where you're just encountering death day in and day out. And where if you lived to be maybe 40, you were that was old age for you. So naturally, what would you conclude? Well, God must be an angry God that we have so much suffering. No, that's exactly right. Death's such reality. I mean, it was feasible that someone could get sick with a fever in the morning and, and be, be dead, dead. By, dead by the evening. Yeah. That's yeah. just what happened. You didn't have antibiotics. You didn't have hospitals like we do today. I mean, it, death was reality. It was that nitty-gritty 
death. And everyone saw it and you observed it and, and it was just a part of life. You know, today we, we kind of, it's, it's death is so sterilized. And oh, yeah. The way in which we treat the dead body and it's pumped full of chemicals. And it's just kind of, we almost pre- pretend, make believe that death really isn't all that real. We try to do our best to just gloss over it. But for these people, death death is real. Yeah. yeah. So so this vengeful, wrathful God, people living in uncertainty about salvation, putting their hope, their trust in all sorts of different things, their good works or uh, buying an indulgence for forgiveness or whatever the case might be, uh, to get to heaven. They have some kind of certainty of salvation, of, of life and hope after death. Uh, so so this is the context into which Luther is born. So, so Luther, born in Eisleben, um uh, in a town, you know, pretty average, a little town. Uh, his birth probably didn't cause a big fanfare or anything. Probably no Christmas decorations up or No anything. decorations, no Santa Claus fishing, yeah. you know, yeah. nothing. Not even a birthday cake. Uh, his his father, Hans, uh, worked in the mines and and uh, did pretty well for himself, even as an ore smelter. Um, yeah. So, um, you know, kind of a, you know. You well, know, actually, more than just a miner. He became a mine owner. Yeah, didn't yeah. He? yeah, yeah. So, so he's you know, he does pretty well for himself. But he also, I think, maybe knows that mining is kind of a hard life. Uh, he encourages his son Martin to become a lawyer. Could, could, before we progress that far in the yeah. story, I think it's interesting that he's born on November tenth, and he's immediately baptized on November eleventh. Yes, which is Saint Martin's Day, and that's how he came with the yeah. name Saint Martin, Martin of Tours, right? Yep. And yeah, so he's named after this the saint on whose day he was baptized. And, and and the interesting thing is, is they baptized him right away, not because of why we would baptize, because of the promises about our sins being washed away and becoming children of God, but because they were so afraid of what would happen if they did not do that. What would God do to us and to our child if we don't do this right away? You know, again, it was out of fear. Sure. And with death as a reality, like well, you pointed right. out, who knows right. what's going to happen to this little one? Your while. child might be gone before the day yeah. is over. And, you know, you don't want to do that just out of fear, but it's not really that bad of a practice. I no. mean, as, as a pastor, uh, boy, I'd be more willing to baptize a child right away at the hospital even. And, yeah, for this one to become a child of God, and you can always recognize that in worship. Uh, however, to, to have that weight and to have that baptism in worship, that's good, too, because, yeah. hey, they're part of this family of God, and we get to witness that, this miracle happening right before our eyes as a congregation. How cool is that? Um, but, yeah, Martin Martin Luther's case, it was the next day. Yeah, yeah. So oh, I'm sorry, I interrupted. You. No, go you ahead. Go ahead. His, his well, yeah. Well, let's well let's look at his earlier. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'm going to stay backed up for a little okay. bit here. So, so uh, Martin Luther is seven years old, and he, he goes uh, he enters school in Mansfield. And at 14, he goes on uh, north to to Magdeburg. Uh, he continues his studies. In 1498, he returns back to his hometown, enrolls in school. He stutters, studies things like you know, grammar and logic and rhetoric. Um, apparently, you know, all these quotes are attributed to Martin Luther, and you begin to wonder, did he really say all these things? <laughs> but apparently he attributed part of that school experience to purgatory and hell. So not always enjoying school and studies, perhaps. I think probably a lot of the kids listening to us can identify so you with know, that. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you hear these stories about how kids were beaten, and Luther, I think at one point, said he was beaten 10 times before lunch, uh, uh-huh. uh, before noon in school. Uh, corporal punishment certainly very much a part of the school system. Uh, I think the teachers are called the wolf. The wolf is Whoa. out to get you. And uh, so, so you know, school wasn't... It says something about what kind of character Martin Luther might have been as a child, too, if he was beaten ten times yeah, well, before. Yeah, it could very well be. He kept trying to nail things to doors. <laughs> it's, 
<laughs> Maybe not. Oh boy. So anyway, um, so so Luther then in, in 1501 he enters the University of Erfurt and he receives a, a Master of Arch de, Arch de, Arts degree. Excuse me. Uh, so he, he seems like he's on the fast track to becoming a lawyer. And at that level, you know, you can you go into three areas really: law, or or um, or medicine, or you know, theology. Yes. So what are you going to do? And he's he's going into law. And of course, then in his young life, we have that that story, of course, that well-known story of Luther. He's caught in this thunderstorm yep, yep. Um, that's severe and to the point where he doesn't think he's going to make it. He doesn't think he's going to survive. And so he cries out. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'll do that. Okay. Okay. okay you he be cr- the lightning and everything. Boom. Crash. Save me. Save me, St. Anne. Save me, St. Anne. And, okay. and what promises he make? Oh, I'll I'll be a monk. Is that what he makes? Yeah, yeah. I don't remember he made a promise. Yeah, I just knew he kind of pro- Is that right? That's where he makes the promise there okay. too. Now, yeah. All right. Now Luther was the only one there, obviously. So I guess only he knows and the the Lord knows. But yeah, save me, save me, uh, Saint Anne. I'll become a monk. And Saint Anne was the patron saint of. Guess what? Miners. Is that right? <laughs> so, yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. So I just cool. I, I just learned that recently too. So the yeah. patron saint of miners. So Luther, his family. Familiar with St. Anne? Perhaps they prayed to oh, St. Sure. Anne. I bet they did all the on time. Regular they basis. probably had a little St. Anne statue on their car. Because <laughs> they always wondered that. Why St. Why Anne? You know? yeah. but, but if she's the, the saint of minors, well, that kind of makes sense. That's who he's familiar sense. with. Uh, that's how he's raised. So, anyway, uh, in, obviously he survives the storm, and Luther makes good on his promise, and he does indeed become a monk. monk. Goes, yeah. yeah. And he enters the Augustinian order, perhaps the strictest order. Um, he could find, and he becomes an Augustinian monk. Uh, what do you think? Do you think Luther had, uh, you know, aspirations or at least considered becoming a monk even before this storm took place? I don't think so. Do you? I mean, have you got any historical data? I mean, it seems to me that he pretty much was focused on being a lawyer. His dad wanted him to be a lawyer because his dad was looking for some kind of vocation that Luther could provide for him and his mom in their old age. Because I remember his dad was really upset when he decided to become yeah. a monk. Oh, yeah. uh, because what are you going to do for me? you got a vow of poverty. How's that going to yeah, help great. us? Great. Thanks a lot. Uh, and, and I think we do need to realize that, that in, in monasticism, you did. You left your family. You left everybody. Uh, and you went off to do this thing all by yourself in, in, the, in the monastery. Yeah. So I can't, well, although, again, it shows that he always had this fear within him, this, this, this thought that God was out to get, well, he lost a, a friend in, in, in Erfurt, too, a good a fellow student who died at an early age. So, yeah, maybe it was on the back of his mind that maybe I need to do something a little holier, a little more sanctified than be a lawyer. In, yeah. in fact, you know the story that they, they told back in those days, didn't you? About the lawyer who died, and, oh, yeah. and when he went to heaven, he was given this great, big, beautiful mansion with a swimming pool and a forest surrounding it. And he looked around, and there was all these little hovels, these little cottages, and the popes were dwelling in the cottages. And he said, why is that? Why are the popes in the cottages? And I, a, a poor, humble lawyer in this great mansion. And Peter said, well, we got a lot of popes here, but you're the first lawyer that ever made it. <laughs> so I don't know if they actually told that story. In, in the Reformation not. times, that's what was circulating. <laughs> sure. There was stories like that, I'm sure. <laughs> we need a little rim shot sound effect. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. But anyway, obviously, even today, you know, the profession of the law is sometimes kind of looked upon as being a little bit 
sketchy. Well, I'm sure, sure they're good lawyers out there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But the ones no. listening to the wrestling with the basics are the good that's ones. That's right. They're the good guys. <laughs> but to be a monk, now that's ace number one. Well, and I think you really hit the nail on the head maybe too. Maybe in the back of Luther's mind, and I'm just speculating here, if he's really concerned about his salvation and, yes. and doesn't know what's going to happen after death, doesn't know if he's forgiven, uh, to become a monk, maybe that's going to get me points with God too. Yep. Maybe, maybe that monkish lifestyle, that aesthetic lifestyle, Maybe maybe I'll be in better standing with God. And that's the point. That was the mindset that I have to make points with God. Yes. Yep. yep. I've got to do something. I've right. got to do something. And uh, thankfully, well, Luther goes to the monastery, maybe for the wrong reasons. Uh, I don't know. But there he's exposed to God's word. And then certainly later when he starts to teach, you know, and Wittenberg certainly even more exposed to God's word, is able to go to the source of the scriptures well, themselves. Well, see, that's what people don't understand. Life in the monastery, as you already alluded to, even in the churches, was not about reading the Bible. No. It was about attending worship, seven worship services a day. Uh, it was about praying in your, your cell. It was about maybe going out into the community and begging for money to support the monastery. But actually reading the scriptures was not—well, in fact, they probably didn't have a whole lot of Bibles in the monastery either. No. So, no. But you're right. When he goes to Wittenberg, yeah. he's a professor of Old Testament studies, which would kind of require that you— Read the Bible. Yeah, yeah, read the Bible. Go back to the original languages. Yeah. Um, and there, Luther discovers, God reveals to him that, as we said before, it's all about Jesus, Jesus. right? Yeah. And so there he finds uh, that it's all about Jesus Christ. It's not about what we do or any importance with God. No, it's about what God has done for us. It's about grace. It's about faith in Christ. It's about what Christ has done for us for Martin Luther, and uh, and then he starts a movement. He starts this confessing movement that shares that very message, that it's all about Jesus, and that message continues to be proclaimed today. Um, so what's the tie-in to Advent and Christmas, okay? Yeah, uh, what is the tie-in, Matt? <laughs> the, Luther's birth in this the little town of Eisleben it might be sort of inconsequential and, and certainly was uh, the day of his birth. Uh, but more important you know, we, than remembering Luther's birth is remembering the one who was born in the little town of Bethlehem, right? Whose birth seems sort of inconsequential to the world at large, perhaps, but certainly changes everything, right? The fulfillment of promise, that birth of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the nations. Um, so yeah, good to recognize Luther's birth. Uh, the, the book of Hebrews talks about remembering our leaders, right? Hebrews chapter 13, and certainly it's not bad to remember Martin Luther. Uh, remember your leaders, it says in Hebrews, those who spoke the word of God, consider the outcome of their way of life, imitate their faith. Uh, but even more importantly, we also recognize the the one that Luther pointed people to, to that little one who was born on Christmas, of course, whose birth we prepare our hearts and minds for during Advent, um, that, that Savior, Jesus Christ. And, and, and I think, you know, we really want to emphasize, you're probably going to hear a lot about Luther from us this next year, because it is the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. Uh, and, and in some ways, I hope that we don't cause Luther to roll over in his grave, because Luther did not like the fact that we were called Lutherans, because Luther, exactly what you said, he always wanted to focus not upon his birth, but upon the birth of Jesus Christ. In fact, that's all he ever wanted was for people to know that their sins were forgiven, that they didn't 
didn't have to be frightened like him. They didn't have to worry about making points with God because Jesus Christ is our redemption. He's our propitiation. He's, he's the gift that God has given us so that we might know that, yeah, God is a God of love, God of forgiveness, even in the midst of suffering and death. No, no, that doesn't change us, and it doesn't change how God feels about us. And that's all true, not because of Luther, but because of uh, uh, Jesus Christ. Uh, could I make one last quick comment? Yeah, please do. Again, we, we really, at this Christmas season, we would love to talk with you. We'd like to know if you have questions or what thoughts you might have. So email us at www.kfuowbb. Uh, <laughs> WWB. WWB. <laughs> yeah, WWB at gmail.com. Yep. All right. Wrestling with the basics. That's right. Good. And we hope to talk to you again, and we'll talk a little more about Advent next week. Okay, man? Sounds good.